Peace be upon you. So in Surah 74, verse 38, Rashad Khalifa translates this verse differently than most other translators. In his translation, he translates this verse as every soul is trapped by its sin. And if you look at other translations, they typically go with something in the line of every soul will be held in pledge for its deeds. And this is more aligned with the literal translation of the Arabic. So the question is, why did Rashad Khalifa translate it this way? In order to understand this, we need to look at the Arabic. And the word that is translated as pledge is Raina. And this root occurs three times in the Quran. The first time is in Surah 2 verse 283, where it's discussing the terms of what to do if you're taking a loan and you're traveling. Because in the Quran, you're supposed to write down financial transactions. It reads, if you're traveling and no scribe is available, a bond shall be posted to guarantee repayment. And we'll see that the word for bond is the same root that's used in 7438 uh, for pledge. And we see the same word again used in Surah 52 verse 21, where it reads, every person is paid for what he did. So this word raina, what does it mean? Because when you hear the expression a pledge, it gives usually the connotation of just a solemn promise. But pledge has another meaning. Someone is also making a pledge when they put collateral on the line in order to fulfill an agreement similar to a security deposit. So think about renting an apartment. When you go to rent an apartment, they ask for a security deposit. Because if you happen to destroy or damage the property, they want to be able to claim that security deposit to fix those damages and as a form of compensation for breaking the agreement. These kinds of transactions are considered some of the safest investments for investors. Because if the borrower fails to live up to their agreement, the lender is able to confiscate that asset and call it their own. So take the example of a mortgage. When someone goes to obtain a mortgage, they put their house up for collateral. That if they fail to make the payments, the bank is able to come and take their home. This makes the downside potential for the individual who's getting the mortgage much higher than the bank. Because if the individual fails to make payments, fails to meet their obligations, the bank can simply come and take over their home and sell it and recoup their money. So the question is, how does this apply to us as individuals with our agreement with God? God in this world provided us with everything. Our physical bodies, the air we breathe, the food we eat, the eyes we use to see, the hands we use to touch, the brains we use to learn, all our provisions, the environment we grew up in, the earth that we live upon, God provided all this for us. So in order to obtain all these infinite blessings that God has given us, what did we put up as our security deposit? It was our souls, the most priceless possession we have. And just like a rental agreement where an individual, if they damage the property, if they do not fulfill their obligation, fail to live up to the uh, agreement, they run the risk of losing their security deposit. 
And similarly, us human beings, if we fail to meet the agreement we set out and appreciate all these blessings that God has given us, then we fail to lose our souls. In Surah 6, verse 12, it says, Say, to whom belongs everything in the heavens and the earth, say to God, He has decreed that mercy is His attribute. He will surely summon you all on the day of resurrection, which is inevitable. The ones who lose their souls are those who disbelieve. In Surah 39, verse 15, it says, Therefore, worship whatever you wish besides Him. Say, the real losers are those who lose their souls and their families on the day of resurrection. Most certainly, this is the real loss. God is telling us the collateral we put up in order to be tested in this world, to have all these amenities, all these blessings, all this power that God has bestowed upon us, was that we put our souls up for collateral. In Surah 42, verse 45, we read, You will see them facing it, humiliated and debased, and looking, yet trying to avoid looking. Those who believed will proclaim, The real losers are those who lost their souls, and their families on the day of resurrection. The transgressors have deserved an everlasting retribution. So if a soul is the most valuable possession that we have, what did we pledge we would do in order to preserve our souls? God tells us in the Quran in Surah 2 verse 62 and Surah 5 verse 69, what is the criteria to make it into God's kingdom? It reads, surely those who believe, those who are Jewish, the Christians, the converts, anyone who believes in God, believes in the last day, and leads a righteous life, will receive their recompense from their Lord. They have nothing to fear, nor will they grieve. This is the minimum requirement for every single human being on this planet. It's simply to believe in God alone, to lead a righteous life, and to believe in the hereafter. If we fulfill these three simple obligations, irrespective of the name of our faith, we will be admitted back into God's kingdom. God tells us we will never fear and we will never grieve. In Surah 98 verse 5, it says, All that was asked of them was to worship God, devoting the religion absolutely to Him alone, observe the contact prayer salat, and give the obligatory charity zakat. Such is the perfect religion. The typical next argument someone will make is how are they supposed to know about this if they were never introduced to the Quran? God informs us that prior to our coming to this world, every single soul witnessed this information for themselves. In Surah 7 verse 172 it reads, Recall that your Lord summoned all the descendants of Adam. That's all of us. That's me. That's you. That's your parents, your grandparents, and every future human being who's ever going to live on this planet. And it continues, and had them bear witness for themselves. Am I not your Lord? They all said, yes, we bear witness. Thus, you cannot say on the day of resurrection, we were not aware of this. God is telling us that prior to our arrival here on earth, we all bore witness for ourselves, the oneness of God, that we are to worship God alone. Additionally, God provided us with the innate knowledge to be able to distinguish between good and evil and the innate sense to want to worship God alone. In Surah 30 verse 30 it reads, Therefore you shall devote yourself to the religion of strict monotheism. Such is the natural instinct placed into the people by God. Such creation of God will never change. This is the perfect religion 
but most people do not know. In Surah 91, verse 7 and 8, it reads, The soul in him who created it, then showed it what is evil and what is good. The Arabic here for showing what is evil and good is laham, which comes from knowing innately, instinctively, something that God has divinely inspired into every single human to be able to make this distinguishing factor. It continues in 91.9, it says, Successful is one who redeems it. This word for redeem is zakah, which comes from the same root as zakat, which means to purify. So one who purifies their soul. And it continues in 91.10, it says, Failing is one who neglects it. And this word for neglect is dasaha, which means to either corrupt or to bury. But this has another additional meaning. If we want to redeem our souls, we need to maintain our connection with God. We do this through worshiping God alone, commemorating God, making God our priority throughout our day, and most importantly, through our contact prayer salat. In Surah 29, verse 45, it reads, You shall recite what is revealed to you of the scripture and observe the contact prayer salat. For the contact prayers prohibit evil and vice. So, if we want to be protected from evil and vice, the best tool at our arsenal, the best armor we have is through our Salat because this builds up our righteousness, our connection with God. And it continues in 29.45 says, But the remembrance of God through Salat is the most important objective. God knows everything you do. We cannot be merely mimicking just these movements, making these sounds with our uh, uh, mouth, if we're not remembering God during this crucial time when we do our Salat. In Surah 20, verse 132, it reads, You shall enjoin your family to observe the contact per Salat and steadfastly persevere in doing so. We do not ask you for any provisions. We are the ones who provide for you. The ultimate triumph belongs to the righteous. So the Salat is our way of making a connection with God, to strengthening this bond, to building this coat of righteousness to protect us from evil and sin. But one who fails this, one who neglects their soul, is someone who buries this signal. In signal processing, there is an expression of bearing a signal in noise. As an individual sins, they are adding more noise to their connection with God and thus losing their innate ability from being able to distinguish between right and wrong. The Salat strengthens this signal and reduces the noise in our life. This is the reason the root of the word Salat is Wasl, which means to join. In Surah 13, verse 19 through 25, we read, Is one who recognizes that your Lord's revelations to you are the truth equal to one who is blind. Only those who possess intelligence will take heed. They are the ones who fulfill their pledge to God and do not violate the covenant. They join what God has commanded them to be joined, reverence their Lord, fear the dreadful reckoning. They steadfastly persevere in seeking their Lord, observe the contact prayer salat, and from our provisions to them, they spend secretly and publicly, encounter evil with good. These have deserved the best abode. They enter the gardens of Eden together with the righteous among their parents, their spouses, and their children. The angels will enter to them from every door. 
Peace be upon you because you steadfastly persevered. What a joyous destiny. These individuals, they maintain their pledge to God. They are able to redeem their souls. They committed to God that they would abide by His laws, that they would observe the contact prayer salat, that they would not sever what God commanded to be joined. And because of this, God redeems them. Now contrast this with the disbelievers. It continues in 1325, says, As for those who violate God's covenant after pledging to keep it, and sever what God has commanded to be joined, and commit evil, they have incurred condemnation, they have incurred the worst destiny. When a person loses this connection with God, then they fall delinquent on their mandatory contributions that they pledged when they agreed to come into this world. And just like a person who runs delinquent on their mortgage payments month after month that causes them to ultimately lose their house, that person who loses their connection with God will ultimately lose their souls on the day of judgment. And what do we call someone who is up to their eyeballs in debt? We call that person trapped. And this ties back to why this verse is translated as every soul is trapped by its sins. Because this debt that they have, when they decided to make this transition into this world, if they are missing payments and missing contributions by not maintaining their connection with God, then they're ultimately trapped with the inevitability that they will lose their souls on the day of judgment. Now, this does not mean that hope is lost. Luckily, God has given us a lifelong chance to redeem our souls. And as long as we are alive, we have the opportunity to set things right. In Surah 2 verse 245, it reads, Who would lend God a loan of righteousness to have it repaid to them multiplied manifold? God is the one who provides and withholds, and to Him you will be returned. But I know many people are hearing the whispers of the devil. This noise is confounding their ability of hearing God's message. And I've the thoughts that are probably running through some individual's head is that, oh, I've done so much sin, there's no hope for me, there's no way I can be redeemed, I don't deserve to go to paradise, and this bitter attacks against yourself. But know that this is the whispers of the devil that are making you think these thoughts. In the Quran, in Surah 24, verse 40, God gives us the allegory of those who are lost. It reads, another allegory is that of being in total darkness, in the midst of a violent ocean, with waves upon waves in addition to thick fog, darkness upon darkness. If he looked at his own hand, he could barely see it. Whomever God deprives of light will have no light. Notice that the above verse is describing darkness upon darkness. Yet God does not say the individual cannot see their own hand. Instead, it says they can barely see it. Meaning that there's still a trace of light that the individual can decipher their hand. If you're hearing this podcast now, and it's resonating with you even the slightest bit, know that there's still hope for you, that you can still be redeemed back into God's kingdom. Imagine being completely in debt and God providing you a simple lifeline 
that will cost you nothing and will instantly provide you immediate relief. God offers such a blessing to all of us. And it doesn't matter how much sin you've committed in the past, how astray you believe you are, how you spent years not abiding by the Quran, not performing your Salat. Today is the moment, the opportunity that you can utilize to redeem your soul. God does this through a simple act of repenting and reforming, killing our egos and turning back to God. God not only redeems us, God transforms our sins into credit. In Surah 25, verse 63 through 71, we read the traits of the believers. It says, The worshippers of the Most Gracious are those who tread the earth gently. And when the ignorant speak to them, they only utter peace. In the privacy of the night, they meditate on their Lord and fall prostrate. They say, Our Lord, spare us the agony of hell. Its retribution is horrendous. It is the worst abode, the worst destiny. When they give, they are neither extravagant nor stingy. They give in moderation. They never implore beside God any other God, nor do they kill any soul. For God has made life sacred, except in the course of justice, nor do they commit adultery. Those who commit these offenses will have to pay. Retribution is doubled for them on the day of resurrection, and they bide therein humiliated. And here's the part I want to emphasize. Starting from 2570, it reads, Exempted are those who repent, believe, and lead a righteous life. God transforms their sins into credits. God is forgiver, most merciful. Those who repent and lead a righteous life, God redeems them a complete redemption. God is telling us not only will He forgive sins, He will transform those sins into credits. All those bad sins that we've committed in the past, Imagine all those instantly being transformed into credits to our favor. So no matter how much sin you have committed or how astray you believe you are, know that you can instantly be admitted back into God's kingdom, that all your debt can be forgiven just simply by repenting and reestablishing our pledge with our Creator. Surah 39, verse 53, it reads, Proclaim, O my servants who exceeded the limits, never despair of God's mercy, for God forgives all sins. He is the forgiver, most merciful. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran and understand the roots of the Arabic word, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store. And if you like the podcast, please share it with others, leave us a review, and until next time, peace and God bless.